The following is a sermon from Park Church in Denver, Colorado. More information and resources can be found online at parkchurch.org. This is a reading from Luke chapter 2, verses 15 through 20. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem, see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you very much. Can we thank her for reading the word for us? Thank you for Good evening. Merry Christmas. Good to see you all. My name is Gary. I'm one of the pastors here, if we haven't met. Uh, thanks for coming to join us this evening. It's always a sweet time. Uh, Christmas Eve to worship together as a church family. Um, we also know it's a time where a lot of people are either maybe uh, coming to church for kind of one of the first times or first time in a while. And so we're so thankful. If you're here visiting us, want to say welcome to you. Thank you for joining us. Um, we passed out these cards on the way in and they give just a little information about who we are uh, and what we're about as a church. Uh, as a community, uh, we gather to worship Jesus every single Sunday. Uh, we see worship not just as a Sunday experience, though it's something that should mark all of our lives. And so there are a lot of ways that we as a community try to gather together to learn more about who Jesus is, uh, what it is that he's done for us, and what it means to follow him. So we gather in a number of different contexts throughout the week uh, to try to grow together as followers of Jesus, but also to try to love and serve our city together. If you're looking for more information of how to, how to get involved, those are all uh, kind of listed here on this sheet. One thing just to draw attention to, we normally gather on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., but this next Sunday is New Year's Eve. Uh, we have just one service, and that's at 10 a.m. this coming Sunday, and so um, all the information, again, is on the card you received on the way in. Uh, I'm so glad, again, that you all would, would join us to worship Jesus on a night like, like this. Um, I think it's really easy uh, for us in the midst of the Christmas season to get swept up by a lot of the activities. And some of these activities are beautiful and good and worth doing for sure, but it's really easy to get so consumed by the busyness of the season, the things we're trying to prepare and do and travel plans or getting ready to host or thinking about all the things we're trying to kind of get sorted out as we close out the year, that it's easy to forget why this is a big deal. Uh, why that Jesus and the birth of Jesus is something worth celebrating and worshiping. And so that's what we're going to look at tonight just for a few moments together, really from these two passages that we read already this evening, from Micah chapter 5 and from Luke chapter 2, just this reality of the, the beauty and the power of what God has done in sending his son into this world as the Lord and as the Savior. So let's pray that God would work among us this evening. Jesus, we're grateful that you're with us even now. Uh, before you ascended uh, to the Father, you said, I'm going to be with you all the time, and you sent us your Holy Spirit. And so, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're with us. We thank you that you care tonight, and we pray that you would open our eyes uh, more, 
that you would open our hearts more to see the beauty and the glory and the magnificence of what you accomplished when you came into this world to initiate a plan to redeem, to heal, to save the world. Help us to be a people that don't just go through motions. Help us to be people that don't just throw parties, but to help us, help us to be people that truly celebrate, celebrate what it is that you've done that we get to consider and think about this evening on this Christmas Eve. So work among us in Christ's name, we pray. Amen. I, uh, when I think about the Christmas season, like I mentioned, it's easy for me and I, and I imagine for many of us to get kind of swept up by a lot of the activities. And when I start kind of trying to slow down and think about wh- why, why are we doing this? Why do we have Christmas Eve services? Why do we go spend time with family? Why do we do Christmas trees and presents and celebrations and work parties and family gatherings? Why do, we, why do we do this? Like I said, it's easy to kind of forget about the why and just kind of go through the motions. For me, what helps me pay attention to why Christmas matters is actually by paying attention to the tension that I feel in the world. A tension I feel in the world, a tension that I actually feel in my own life. At Christmas at its core is a holiday that's kind of founded on and centered upon a tension. And that tension is this. It's the tension between the kind of life and the world that you long for, the joy you long to experience, all the things that you kind of like hope that life will be and have this sense in your heart that life ought to be, the world ought to be a certain way, and the joy that would come from that experience. And that longing, that longing for joy, stands in tension with the aching that we feel in our own life, the aching we see around the world, the aching we see in our own city and in our own families. For this past few weeks for the Advent season, we've been talking about aching for Advent, that the world and we ourselves are aching for something to be different. And what Christmas is about is what God has done in the birth of Jesus to resolve that tension, to move the world from an experience of aching to an experience of joy, the mission that he initiated in the birth of Christ to bring his redeeming love into the world, like light that breaks into the darkness. Every story that you're familiar with when you think about like Christmas stories or the popular Christmas movies that we uh, tend to watch year after year is about this kind of movement from like aching and pain and darkness towards like joy and life and redemption. I think about some of the most popular movies like How the Grinch Stole Christmas, one of my favorites of all time. Not the Jim Carrey version, fine, whatever. Not the Illumination thing, whatever, it's fine. Not dogging them, but the original, right? The original is Dr. Seuss, uh, the book. And then the movie where you have this Grinchy figure that's um, a a recluse, that's cynical and negative. And what he sees around him is a culture that's like celebrating with all these kind of like things and objects and materials and goods and noise, 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 noise. And what he feels is cynical, jaded, isolated, grumpy, negative. And that story is a movement from that sense of negativity and pain and longing to this experience of healing and redemption and connection in life. Same thing with The Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. Best version of The Christmas Carol, bar none, is Muppet Christmas Carol. I own it. I'm a grown, I say I'm a, we're not alone here. I'm a grown man. The Muppet version is just the best. But you see Ebenezer Scrooge, again, this, this miserly, grumpy, callous, indifferent, greedy man who, as he experiences the joy of others around him, feels this dissonance with all, of the jo- all the joy and all the happiness, and somehow his inability to receive love and to give love. The story is this movement in him towards an experience of joy, love, healing, connection. 
or It's a Wonderful Life. I, I deeply resonate with the, with the kind of character of George Bailey. Uh, I, George Bailey, if you're familiar with the story, kind of feels responsible for his family, for his extended family, for his workplace, and for his house, and the kind of weight of responsibility over years, and the difficulty he almost like loses himself, and like constantly like holding everything together for everybody, and it brings him to a point of incredible despair, where he feels so despairing about life that on that Christmas Eve or Christmas night, he's on the verge of taking his own life, while everybody around is decorating Christmas trees and singing songs and lights are everywhere. And so what I'm asking this Christmas Eve and what I've been thinking about a lot um, in particular this year is what's, what's that movement from the aching and the pain towards joy? It is the movement the celebration that we throw? Is the movement the traditions that we have? I'm all for traditions. I'm all for Christmas celebration. I've kind of gotten a reputation here for being like an anti-Christmas guy. I'm not. I'm just like an anti-Christmas before Thanksgiving guy. Like, just don't, just don't let it bleed before Thanksgiving. Let's bring all, let's do all of it after Thanksgiving. So I love the songs. I love the idea of exchanging gifts. I love the parties and the family gatherings. It's, it's beautiful. But even in those experiences, what you're feeling, if you pay attention, there's still tension. When you think about exchanging gifts, what you want when you exchange gifts is you want to offer an expression of love and value to somebody else. To like give of yourself, to sacrifice something of yourself, to show somebody else that you see them, you value them, you appreciate them, and so you give them a gift that you hope will make them feel that from you. And what you hope in some part, in some fashion or form is to receive something like that, to feel seen and valued and appreciated. That's good. That's a longing for joy a world where there's value and generosity. That's good. The underbelly of that exchange is what it often becomes is this kind of celebration of materialism where we think the things are going to satisfy us. What it often can be is stuff where we feel financially strained to try to do something that we, we don't know if we're able to do things. Are our kids going to be disappointed? Is my kind of significant other going to feel like I valued them enough? Are they going to, and you feel this anxiety or this pressure to sort it all out and to make something meaningful, you feel that. Or you feel the reality that not everybody in the world can just like spend money on things and more and more things as if those things are going to give joy. So that's the tension. It's the tension. Same thing is true with gatherings, family gatherings. We love on Christmas to hang out with loved ones. Many of you have traveled to be with loved ones or will travel to be with loved ones, family, friends. There's a longing to feel like you're around people that you love and that love you, to feel like safe and at home, to celebrate and to feast together. That's beautiful. Underneath of that longing for joy with like family and love is this other side of like grief tension, people that feel isolated, people that feel very lonely, people that are celebrating Christmas without people that they've loved, whether they're just far away from them or estranged or they've lost loved ones, there's pain. There's pain. And it's that tension. It's that tension between what you long for and the pain and the aching that's really there. Same thing with decorations. Again, most, many people decorate your house and you put lights up or Christmas de decorations in your house or you put a tree or you look around the city and we've got like the Bandemir Speedway, we've got the zoo lights, we have the botanic gardens, beautiful stuff. Behind and underneath all of those lights and all that decoration, there's injustice, there's poverty, there's divisions. Behind every home with all the lights on the home, inside that home are often strained marriages and people really hurting. And so, so the question I'm asking is, is the path from aching 
and pain towards joy? Is it, is it the traditions? Is it the party? Is it the celebration? Or is there, is there more? The two passages we looked at this evening, Micah and Luke, take place 700 years apart from one another, but in the same town, Bethlehem. In Bethlehem and Micah, Micah has a prophecy for Bethlehem. The experience in 700 BC from the prophet Micah in that time, the town of Bethlehem, the small little town, is hurting. They're hurting. There is injustice within their city. There is a kind of like a pattern of marginalizing vulnerable people within their city. There's a separation from God that they've kind of left God out of the center of their community. There are uh, foreign armies, namely the Assyrians that are like on their doorstep that are threatening to decimate their own town, their own region. There's incredible pain, and Micah is speaking into that pain. What, what as, as I consider these passages, it's interesting to me to think about, look at Bethlehem in 700 BC, and there's fear, there's injustice, there's pain, there's disillusionment. It, it is a gloomy time in Bethlehem. Look at Bethlehem in that first Christmas Eve, that first Christmas night, and there are warriors of light appearing and singing There's a heavenly host. There's good news of great joy for all people. These shepherds that the angels appeared to, this marginalized group of shepherds, these blue-collar workers are feeling valued and seen, and they're receiving good news of great joy. That's not just joy for them, but it's joy for the whole world to the ends of the earth. And they hear this news, and they go, and they see Jesus, and they leave praising God and rejoicing. And so what's what's the movement between the aching in Bethlehem in 700 B.C. and the joy in Bethlehem on that first Christmas Eve. What's the movement? In Micah, in Micah, throughout the kind of uh, prophecy that Micah is ministering to the people, he starts naming the reality of the pain and the aching that they experience. And what he says is he says that this aching, this pain, the difficulty they're, they're experiencing is actually coming from somewhere, that they've turned against their creator and their redeemer. They've pushed away from him. They've forgotten him. They pushed him out of the center of their life and are trying to do their own thing on their own terms. In their own, in the, in the biblical terminology, their own sin against their maker has introduced an experience of pain into their life. But the good news that Micah brings to the people in Bethlehem 700 years before the coming of Christ is that God is paying attention, and this isn't the end of the story. That a time is coming when this forgotten, struggling, oppressed town of Bethlehem will be the centerpiece and the launch pad of something through which God will bring joy to the whole world. And so this this relationship, what's going to move it from here to there? And and you know what Micah does not say? He doesn't say, hey, it's going to change. It's not going to always be so gloomy and painful. He actually says it's going to. It's a, in fact, it's about to get way worse. The next 200 to 300 years of their story will be worse than what they're even experiencing then. But, but what he doesn't say is, I'll tell you, it's going to be okay, and here's how we're going to make it okay. Find your nearest fig tree or olive tree, cut it down, put it in your house, put some lights on it, right? Bake some matzah, put some icing on it and some, some sprinkles, throw a party, write some cute little tunes, and like, just pretend like everything's okay. If we just have a celebration once a year and pretend like everything's okay, then it will be. It's not what he says. Again, I'm not against those things. We'll talk about those things have their place, but those things ought to be a celebration of something, not the something itself. 
Does that make sense? When you start thinking that like what Christmas is is all the activities we're doing and we lose sight of what we're doing it for, then you lose the power of what this is about. You, use, you lose the beauty. Then we're just like faking our way through this season and kind of putting a bow on the pain in this life. And that's not real. That doesn't do anybody any good. What does us some good is if we're honest about the aching and the pain we feel in our own life and we look at what God's word says about where this joy comes from. What Micah says to the people in Bethlehem in 700 BC is the good news does not come through this new new festival we're going to do. We've got a new feast for the people of Israel, and it's going to make everything okay. He says this joy is going to come through the arrival or the birth of a king, that this king is going to be born, and he's going to be born in this little humble town of Bethlehem, and through the arrival of this king, Micah says in Micah chapter 5, this the shepherd will come and he will care for his people. And it's like he will shepherd his people from pain towards peace and joy that will make its way to all the ends of the earth. Look at what it says in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. I'll read it. It says, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, like you're this forgotten small town that's about to get destroyed. You might feel forgotten. You might feel unseen. You might feel like God's not paying attention, but that's not true. From you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient of days. He's saying to you in this little hurting, aching, painful town, there's going to be a ruler that comes that's going to bring joy. It's the ruler that's been promised from long, long ago, this this anointed one, this Christ, this king. That's where joy is going to come from. And so in Luke chapter 2, when these shepherds are watching over their sheep at night and these angels appear to these shepherds and they say, don't be afraid. We're bringing you good news about incredible joy for everybody. Unto you is born this night in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The joy that the shepherds felt in that moment wasn't the joy that comes from traditions and festivities. The joy was in the good news that God was paying attention to their pain, and God had moved towards them by taking on human flesh to dwell among a people, to show us what it means to be human, to show love and righteousness and justice and kindness and mercy, and ultimately to move in love towards a cross where he laid down his life to save us, to bring forgiveness for our sins, to reconcile us to the God who made us, and to give us in him a kind of joy and a kind of peace that is incredible, a kind of joy and a kind of peace that you can experience even in the midst of the aching and the pain of this life. And it's the joy that comes from knowing that the God of the universe sees you, he has compassion for you, and he's moved towards you in the person of Jesus. That that first Christmas morning in history is proof positive that the God of the universe is paying attention, and he cares. When you think about your own life, your own family, what's going on internally for you, what's happening in our city, what's happening around the world, the pain that so many people have experienced. Christmas morning says God cares. God cares, and he's doing something about it through Jesus to bring forgiveness, reconciliation, healing, and life to all who would trust in him. And when you begin to get your mind around that, then what we celebrate tonight, what we celebrate over the next several days when we're celebrating this Christmas season is the best news in the world. And and because it's such good news, it is worth a celebration. We should party. 
We should sing. We should have festivities. We should invite loved ones. We should give gifts as a reflection of God's love. We should have good food and good drink. It should be beautiful. It's worth a party. But we're celebrating something. We're celebrating the arrival of a king through whom God is bringing healing and salvation into the world. He's moving the world from pain towards joy. And that happens through the birth of Jesus. That's what we celebrate. When the When those shepherds on that first night hear that, they come to Jesus and they bow down and worship him because who he is, what he's doing, and they leave that experience, not with all of their life being put back together and good, but they leave with joy because they see that God has moved towards them with love to bring salvation into the world. That's what we celebrate. May God help us to see Jesus and worship him for that reason. Let's pray. And Jesus, we even right now pray you would pour out your spirit among us, even here and now that those that are aching and feel the aching and pain in their own life and in their own story, in their own family or in this world around us, would see in you, Jesus, in your birth, a declaration from you that you, Heavenly Father, are paying attention, that you, the, the creator of the heavens and the earth, you care, that you show compassion and love, that you've moved towards us to bring healing and hope into the world through Jesus, and we pray you'd help us to respond with worship, but also to learn from Jesus what it means to be agents of healing, that as we consider Jesus the light of the world, we would grow as a people who reflect that light, reflect that love everywhere he calls us to be. So help us to worship, to celebrate, to rejoice, Jesus, in who you are and what you've done. We pray in Christ's name, amen. I want to invite the communion servers to make their way forward. Um, every Sunday, as a community, we, we celebrate this meal. Uh, it's these two kind of elements, a loaf of bread and a cup of wine. And we rip off a piece of this bread and we dip it in this cup of wine to remember what Jesus to- told us and taught us to remember, that his body was broken for us and his blood was shed for us to bring forgiveness, to bring mercy, salvation, and life. And this is a meal for all who would put their faith and trust in Jesus, That Jesus wasn't just born to be a good guy. He was born to be a savior. Unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior, Christ the Lord. So that's what we celebrate this evening. This is for all who put their faith in Jesus. If you're new to Christianity or just exploring the claims of Christianity or just trying to kind of like understand who Jesus is, not sure yet if you trust him uh, as a savior or as Lord, Um, we're grateful that you're here. We understand that. Most of us have been in that space asking our own questions along the way. There's room for that, and we want to be a community where you can work through those things uh, in our community, and we can love to walk with you through any questions you have. We'll have a couple prayers on the screen behind me uh, to guide you. If there's uh, particular things that you're asking, again, we'd love to support you. This meal is for those who have put their faith in Jesus, trusting him to be the Savior that we need trusting him to be the son of God who laid down his life on the cross for our sins and rose again on the third day to bring redemption and salvation into this world. And so I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and then we'll celebrate communion together. Uh, For those who are celebrating communion, we'll have gluten-free and alcohol-free options in the two corners of the sanctuary, if those would be helpful for you. Let me read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, as the apostle Paul said this to the church. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We celebrate this meal week after week after week to remember what Christ did for us in his death on our behalf. And we celebrate it not just as a king who died for us, but a king who rose again and who's with us even now. So come forward, remember his birth, his life, his death, and resurrection. Hey, thanks for listening. Park Church exists to make disciples of Jesus for the glory of God and the joy of all people. More information and more resources can be found online at parkchurch.org. Take care.